What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. My name is Mike Slater. Thanks for being here. So if you're new to the podcast, the reason we're here is because I, perhaps you, get way too anxious at the news and our country and our future. And it's hopeless. And I don't like to feel like that. So I started this podcast to help me and my family and friends and you, hopefully, to get some historical perspective and biblical truth that can make that anxiety go away. There's nothing new under the sun. We've been here before. People have been here before. We've gotten through it before. We can get through it again, and perhaps we can even do better than just getting through it. But we're not if we can't think straight. And we can't think straight if we're anxious. So let's stop being anxious. That's why we're here. And we've been doing a lot of these these last couple of weeks because we've also had the TV show. So the last segment of the TV show, we've been doing a mini version of this effort here. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed those as well. Those will end uh, next week because the midterms are done. So uh, we'll get back to our more regularly scheduled podcast format. I'm grateful you're here. So here we go. Story of the day. Well, the midterms on November 8th. I was going to do this episode on affirmative action because the Supreme Court just heard oral arguments about affirmative action just on Monday the other day. And it's an extremely important topic, obviously, because we're told that diversity is our strength. No, unity is. I mean, that's it's our national motto out of many one. And it's been completely inversed into out of one many. And like, well, we never really had a conversation about this. And we're told diversity is our strength. We're going to table that topic until next week because I really, well, I need to make this point uh, now because my wife is ready to give birth at any moment now, maybe tonight. And I don't really know what my schedule is going to be next week, to be honest. So let's make this point now uh, before it's completely irrelevant. And I want to talk about the midterm elections. So here's what's going on. Uh, presidential term is four years. So there is a election in the middle of a presidential term, hence midterm elections. It is for uh, every congressional seat. Those are up every two years. And then one third of the Senate seats, because those are up every six years. And then uh, a bunch of the, the governor's seats as well. One thing to know is that the party of the president always loses a ton of seats in his first midterm election. It, it always has been the case. The only exception is George W. Bush in 2002. 
because it was right after 9-11. So that was a bit of an anomaly. But other than that, the party in power or the party of the president always loses a ton of seats. Bill Clinton lost 54 seats in his first midterm election. The Democrats did. Barack Obama lost 63. Trump, Republicans, lost 40 in his first midterm. I predict that Joe Biden, the Democrats, will lose 33 seats out of the 435 in the House of Representatives. Now, as soon as this election's over, we are going to delete this part of the podcast. Because I don't know. what I'm making it up. The Senate right now is 50-50. I predict that the Republicans will pick up four seats. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Could be five. It will definitely be 51 to 49. There's, there's no question that the Republicans will take back control of the Senate, which means Joe Biden will not be able to get much of anything passed and the government will be in gridlock, which is good. That's how our founders designed it to be. I also predict that the Republicans will pick up six governor seats. Right now, of the 50 states, 28 of them are, uh, have Republican governors. 28 have Republican governors. 22 have Democrat governors. I think Republicans could pick up six, which is amazing. Isn't that amazing? There's far more states with Republican governors. The top three issues are the economy, crime, and immigration. I think bubbling underneath all of that is stuff like drag queen story hour and all this woke stuff taught in school, stuff like that. All of it's under this umbrella of uneasiness. Everyone's just uneasy. There's just like this chaos. Like what's going on? Like nothing feels right. This is why pollsters ask the question, uh, are you happy with the direction of our country? And like only 20% of people are like, yeah, things are great. 80% of people are like, no, I don't, this doesn't feel right. The Democratic Party decided to make this election, try to make this election about January 6th. You'll hear them talking about democracy. January 6th and abortion. But those two issues have fallen flat compared to, can I feed my family? And is it safe to walk outside? So it will be what they call a red wave. Republicans will win a ton of seats in our government. Now you may be thinking, Slater, what's wrong with this? This is good news, right? You should be celebrating. You're conservative. This is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this episode is about idols. Politics can become a problem for me when it's, well, my team wins. Everything will be great. Or my team just lost. Everything's going to be awful forever. <laughs> I have these wild swings of emotion and anger and frustration and whatever, like ups and downs. And that's not uh, great. <laughs> so there's this tension of caring. Like it's good to care because we are citizens in a great country and we want to live in a prosperous and safe nation, right? So it's good to be politically involved. I'd say it's noble. It's good to be aware and care. It's bad to make it an idol. So this is my pre-election warning to play the game of politics with joy and to keep politics in its place. And this is a warning for me. Let's lament. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, 
you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's lament at how broken it all is. <laughs> Just politics and the whole process and everything. Is it worse than ever? Is our political system worse than ever? You hear that a lot. I don't think it is. I don't think it's worse than ever. I think it's always been bad. <laughs> or it's always been what it is. The first real contested election in America was John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson's election team said of John Adams, he was a hideous hermaphroditical character, which has neither the force and firmness of a man, nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Thomas Jefferson's campaign team called John Adams a hermaphrodite. Both That means you're both male and female. A drag queen. <laughs> Maybe... John Adams read to children in a library for the nation's first drag queen story. Ever. I don't know. I don't know. Now, John Adams was no saint. He called Alexander Hamilton. Maybe we got an earmuffs alert. If you have children nearby, he called Alexander Hamilton, a bastard brat of a Scotch peddler three different times. That was his favorite insult of Alexander Hamilton. I think today we get a lot of people who are like, oh, I just wish everyone in politics was so much nicer to each other. You're like, yeah, I, I guess, ideally. But don't think that we ever were nice <laughs> about politics. Charles Sumner got beat almost to death with a cane on the floor of the Senate. I was, so I, I, I had this whole, because we all heard this story before, right? In the, the seventh grade history class where, Social studies. I was way off on what happened. I thought Sumner got hit with a cane. Maybe once. No, he was beat nearly to death. It was Preston Brooks of South Carolina, and he beat the Massachusetts Senator Sumner. Uh, why did he do it? Well, here's what Brooks later said. Regarding the speech of Mr. Sumner as an atrocious libel on South Carolina and a gross insult to my relative, I determined when it was delivered to punish him for it. So here's another thing I got wrong. So the first thing I got wrong was I thought Brooks just hit him once. I didn't realize he almost killed him. Second thing I got wrong is I thought it was done right away. The speech that Sumner gave was two days before 
he, uh, uh, Brooks attacked him, almost killed him. So he, this was premeditated. I always thought it was a spur of the moment, you know, heat and, a heat and passion attack or something like that. No, no. Brooks went to Sumner's desk on the floor of the Senate two days after the speech and took effort to make sure that there, no, there were no women present to witness what he was about to do. And he kept hitting him over and over. Sumner was blinded, blood pouring down his face. He hit under the Senate desk. He couldn't get away. He was trapped. He finally crawled out and Brooks grabbed him and kept beating him over the head. The cane snapped in half and he kept beating him. Then Sumner finally passed out and Brooks picked him up by the lapel and kept beating him over the head. This took time. There was another Southern congressman on Brooks's side who was a part of this whole plan to, to kill Sumner. And he kept the other congressman back from intervening, from helping. And there was another, a third congressman who had a pistol on him and told everyone to stand back, let him be. Other senators got up and were pleading with Brooks to literally not kill Sumner. And then Brooks was fined, adjusting for inflation, $9,000. So things have been bad before. I don't know. Like, Do you see Mitch McConnell almost murdering Chuck Schumer on the Senate floor? I so things have been bad, maybe in different ways. I don't know. No, it doesn't make it good. It doesn't make politics good. I'm just saying uh, it's... Never like it was always this utopian <laughs> perfection of people loving each other. Right? All the more reason to not make politics, of all things, an idol. So let's talk about idols. John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol factory. The last line of First John says, beloved children, keep yourselves from idols. The very last line of the letter. Keep yourselves from idols. So what's an idol? Tim Keller says it's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give you. So anything more important than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. People think of idols, I think, most people think of idols uh, as a physical thing, like a, like a I don't know, trinket or something you would worship in front of. And that's true. Exodus 23 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or sacred pillar. So there, there's a physical idol, the golden calf. But it's also, as Ezekiel 14 says, idols of the heart. Colossians 3.5 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All these things are a form of idolatry, and they fit into Tim Keller's definition of idol as well. So I got a couple just interesting angles here I want to share. C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters, which you have to read if you haven't, and if you have, read it again. So if you haven't, Screw Tape is this, this senior demon and he's writing letters to his nephew, who's a little demon, a demon in training, Wormwood. And Wormwood has a patient who he's in charge of, who he's trying to prevent from becoming a Christian. So all the advice from Screwtape is backwards, right? Because it's, it's from a demon's perspective on what to do to prevent him from being a Christian. It's just brilliant work of art. 
And I want to read this one part from, uh, this one letter from Screwtape. So C.S. Lewis wrote this in 1942. So it's during World War II in London. And he's speaking of patriotism or pacifism here, but the, the point's the same no matter what it is. So here's Screwtape. Whichever he adopts, so whichever political stance the patient adopts, you, your main task will be the same, little demon nephew. Let him begin by treating the patriotism or the pacifism as a part of his religion. Quick timeout. Screwtape saying, I don't care what he is. It's not like one is the good side and one's the bad side or one's the uh, Christian side and one of the others, the pagan side or one's the godly side and one's the ungodly side. That's not, it, it doesn't matter which side he takes. Just make it a part of his religion. Then let him, under the influence of a partisan spirit, come to regard it as the most important part. Then quietly and gradually nurse him onto the stage at which Christianity is valued chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of patriotism or of pacifism. Once you have made the world an end and faith a means, you have almost won your man. And it makes very little difference what kind of worldly end he is pursuing. Provide the meetings, pamphlets, policies, movements, causes, and crusades, perhaps even social media posts, matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity. He's ours. I can show you a pretty cageful down here. Mm. The meetings, policies, the, po the, the political crusades, the uh, protest, all that stuff. As long as those things matter more to him than prayer, sacrament, and charity, he's ours. Wow. So when his Christianity, when our, when my Christianity becomes a means to my political ends, politics has become an idol. And I want to be careful, just to be real with you here, that this podcast doesn't become that. It's not like, well, uh, here's my political stance that I'm taking and and I'm proving it to you by this one Bible scripture that I'm taking out of context. That's not the point of this podcast. It's not. The point is to not be anxious about things. The point is to get historical perspective and biblical truth so that we're not anxious because we know that God's in control. Like that's the point. The point is to emphasize the end that is God. But I want to be very careful and please be on the lookout. I don't want Christianity to become a, to become a means to, or a justification of a political end because then the politics has become an idol greater to me than God. And we got to be careful because politics can be good. I think it's important, but it's not the most important thing. In the great Pilgrim's Progress from 1678, you have Christian and faithful. They're making their way through the wilderness and they come across a town and the town's having a fair. It's like a marketplace, a farmer's market thing, right? And it's called Vanity. It's Vanity Fair. Vanity, you gotta, you ha every time you look up a word, you have to go to Webster's Original Dictionary from 1828. It's way better than the garbage dictionary we have today. Vanity is, is defined as emptiness, want of substance to satisfy desire, uncertainty, fruitless desire or endeavor, trifling labor that produces no good, Emptiness, untruth, empty pleasure, vain pursuit, idle show, unsubstantial enjoyment. There's Vanity Fair. And the point of Vanity Fair on the journey is to divert people 
from their progress. Divert you. It's a fair wherein should be sold all sorts of vanity and that it should last all the year long. Therefore, at the fair are such merchandise sold as houses, lands, trades, places, honors, titles, countries, kingdoms, lusts, pleasures, and delights of all sorts as whores, wives, husbands, children, masters, servants, lives, blood, body, soul, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and whatnot. And moreover, at this fair, there is at all times to be deceivers, cheats, games, plays, fools, apes, knaves, and rogues, and that of every kind. Here are to be seen too, and that for nothing, thefts, murders, adulterers, false swearers, and that of a blood-red color. And you think, geez, well, Vanity Fair sounds like a terrible place. No, we pretty much live there. That's, that's the world. That's our lives. That's America. That's the materialism we live in today. It is a vanity fair. And not all the stuff at a vanity fair is bad. And in Pilgrim's Progress, the things there were pitched as indeed very good, very important, essential, even. Vanity fair is our world with all of its idols, materialism, and everything that tries to take you out, everything that tries to take you away from what really matters, everything that takes your focus away from God. Again, it's what an idol is. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word serve, again, means to be devoted to. You can't be devoted to two masters. And masters here is the Greek word doulos. It means slave. You can't be a slave to two masters. And the word for money is mamonas. It's more than cash. It's bigger than that. It's wealth. Wealth that gives the illusion of power and prestige and control. It's all about losing your focus. Again, Tim Keller. An idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Something that takes the place of God is the most important focus and priority of your life. And you think that it can solve all your problems, so we worship it. My favorite Bible story, I think it's my favorite. It's got to be. I wanted to name my son Elijah because of this story. But the short of it is Elijah, man of God, he told the prophets of Baal, Baal, a false god. There are 450 prophets of Baal to go get two bulls. Okay, go get two bulls. One for you, one for me. You pick the one you want. You cut yours up into pieces, put it on wood, but don't light it on fire. I'll do the same with my bull. I'll put it on wood. I won't light it up yet either. Then you call down the name of your God, Baal, and I'll call down the name of the Lord. And whoever answers wins. And the prophets of Baal are like, oh, this is great. And they, they go all long, all day long. Baal, answer us. Oh, answer us. And they danced and danced all over the place. And Elijah taunted them and said, oh, shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Who knows? Maybe he's sleeping and must be awake. And he's taunting them. I love it. I see Elijah back there reclining back. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Keep it up. A little louder, then he'll hear you. It's fantastic. So they start beating themselves, slashing themselves, cutting themselves with swords and spears. There's blood everywhere. It's like this frantic prophesying mess and nothing happens. So they're exhausted. They say, all right, now you go, hotshot. So Elijah says, all right, fill up four jars with water. 
And they do. And he says, pour it on the wood. Do it again. And they did it again. He said, do it again. Do it a third time. Let me quote First Kings. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, slave, doulos, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench, all the water they poured on the wood. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. You can be like the prophets of Baal and call on the God of politics all day long until you're blue in the face, until you've slashed your back and you're bleeding, screaming to the God of politics. He'll never save you. It will never save you. Politics will never save you. Be like Elijah instead. Put first things first. So what's in my control? You should vote. If you haven't already, you should definitely vote. You should get involved. You should support political candidates and know what's going on and what's happening and, and do the thing, right? Play the game. Play the game with joy. Tell the truth. And watch your heart. Put first things first. Always keep the first thing first. And when the Republicans win in a couple days, amazing, fantastic. I'll be very happy. It'll be great news. That's it. <laughs> and then we move on and uh, keep first things first. Final thought here to meditate on. I love the first commandment says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I love the first commandment because it's, we're not to the commandment yet. It's the first sentence and there's no commandment. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Period. You shall have no other gods before me. God started out reminding the Israelites of what he did for them. Gratitude. I rescued you from the house of bondage, a reminder of what I've done for you. What does he demand in return? Obedience. No other gods before me. Even in an important midterm election. That's our episode. I hope, I hope it, grounds you a little bit. I think it's a, for me, I needed that as a good preparation for Tuesday just to get my heart right. Thank you for all the emails. I feel like doing one episode where we just, I just read these like incredibly encouraging, wonderful, thoughtful emails. Uh, I will respond to every email that you've sent me. My wife is 39 weeks and a couple days pregnant. So it's been kind of crazy around here, but I promise you, I will respond to your email. Thank you for them. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. And if you've made it 25 minutes through this podcast, if you have any constructive criticism whatsoever, it is iron sharpening iron. I promise you I will take it in only the kindest way possible and uh, implement it best I can. If there's anything causing you anxiety, please let me know. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. I'll do the best I can to provide some historical perspective and biblical peace. 
Have a wonderful rest of your day. Get some sleep. Politics by faith. Like I said. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.